Remember, our Savior had just been baptized by John in Jordan. And the, and the Father had said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the end of chapter 3. And in chapter 4, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. He's there 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And the devil came to him and said, See, the Lord would be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. I'd be hungry after four hours. But he, he, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. If you're the Son of God, prove it. Command these stones to be made bread. Prove yourself. And Jesus said, it's, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Notice the Savior, the sinless one, the one who was very pleasing to the Father, did what you and I can do. Turn to the Word of God. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast continues with our series on the spiritual life of the Christian who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our teacher, Dr. Mitchell, presents the three temptations faced by Jesus in the wilderness, and they correspond to the same three temptations faced by the Christian. And these three temptations are defined by Dr. Mitchell as temptations against the grace of God, against the Word of God, and against the person of God. And Dr. Mitchell will then take us to the Old Testament book of Joshua, and here he presents the victory that one can have in possessing one's spiritual blessings. And he shows us how you and I, in obedience, can gain victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. So here's Dr. Mitchell in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, exhorting you and me to stay in the Word of God as a prevention against the hindrances to fellowship with our Lord Jesus. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Luke, he's the man of God. And you have the devil facing our Savior on three grounds. You remember our Savior had just been baptized by John in Jordan. And the, and the Father had said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the end of chapter 3. And in chapter 4, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. He's there 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And the devil came to him and said, See, the Lord would be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. I'd be hungry after four hours. But he, he, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. If you're the Son of God, prove it. Command these stones to be made bread. 
prove yourself. And Jesus said, it's, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Notice the Savior, the sinless one, the one who was very pleasing to the Father, did what you and I can do, turn to the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Then Satan took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself down. Here's a whole crowd. Here's a whole crowd in the temple courtyard. What are the Jews looking for? The coming of the Messiah. How's Messiah going to come? Well, Daniel chapter 7 tells us how he's going to come. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven. Here you are, way up here in the pinnacle of the temple. You jump down. It is written, he will give his angels charge concerning thee. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Satan quoted the word of God, but he left the most important part out. Did you notice this? It is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Satan left that little wee bit out. See? Satan can quote the Bible too, I'll tell you. And he leaves a little wee bit out. Generally the most important thing, but he leaves out. To keep thee in all thy ways. And our Lord said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Then Satan took him up to the, to a mountain top. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you the whole business. You don't have to go to a cross. You don't have to die. I'll give you the whole thing if you'll just fall down and worship me. Satan aspiring to be God. And Jesus again said, it is written. Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You notice the word of God, first of all, the grace of God. Command these stones to be made bread. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. God can take care of me. His grace is sufficient for me. Pinnacle of the temple, the word of God. He attacked the word of God, left out to keep thee in all thy ways. He misquoted scripture. The person of God, fall down and worship me, said Satan. The grace of God, the word of God, the person of God. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. What was the temptation of Adam, the first Adam? The grace of God, the word of God, the person of God. All your tests come under those three grounds. The grace of God is it sufficient for your need. The word of God cannot be trusted. The person of God is he worthy of worship. You're faced with that. Eve, go and get some of that fruit. No, no, God said, if I eat of that, I'd die. Die? You won't die. Why, God knows. If you eat, you'll be just like God. Once you heard that, you could hardly get fast enough to the tree to get the fruit. Huh? Now, 
The devils are very, very subtle foe. In fact, you know, in John chapter 8, the Jews said to Jesus, We be not born of fornication. God is our Father. We be Abraham's seed. And Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's seed, but if you're Abraham's children, you'd believe in me. You are of your father, the devil. He's talking to religious people. And his works you do. If you want that, that's John 8, 41, on down through 44, if you want it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, it speaks about those who are taken captive by the devil at his will. He's on the, he's on the move to capture people for himself, to keep people away from the gospel of the grace of God, to keep people from accepting the Savior. And he never gets tired doing it either, I'll tell you. We've got an implacable enemy, implacable enemy. And yet these Jews claimed that God was their father. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. Satan tempts us through pride, through presumption. Amazing thing to neglect the word of God. Let me just say a word about that. Hebrews chapter 4, you remember, says the word of God, verse 12. The word of God is quick, it's living, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword to dividing asunder the soul and spirit, so on. And is a critic cause of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God has given you to keep you not only from sin, but from the subtleties of Satan. And I suggest those two verses which you've had so often, 119 Psalm verses 9 and 11. God's given us his word to keep us. Listen, young people, you can't live a day without the word of God. And that's our problem. We get so busy doing good things, we miss, we neglect the most important thing, the word of God. You remember our Lord said in John 15, 3, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In Ephesians chapter 5, that he might cleanse the church by the washing of water by the word. You can't. Fathom the marvels of the power of the word of God in a person's life. Don't you take it lightly. And I mean, I'm talking about this. This bothers me quite a bit these days. We don't get into the word of God. And I mean to really get into it and meditate upon it. And thank the Lord. And I, that's why I ask my students in the other classes when we're following through a book study to be sure and read it audibly. I'd rather you read it audibly once than to read it through three times, not audibly. You know why? You can pick up the book, pick up your Bible and start to read and your, word is, your eye is following it down and your mind is away over here. Anybody not guilty? You don't mean you get guilty. Yeah, because I'm still like you, you know. That's why I, I genuinely read my Bible audibly. Now, you, you could stand over here and you wouldn't hear me. But my mind is on there taking it slowly. Sometimes I'll, I'll be going down a passage and all of a sudden I realize I'm thinking about something else. So I go back and read it over again audibly this time to get it. 
You can't do without the word of God. Jesus could say, it is written. He didn't say, as a son of God, I rebuke you, Satan. No, no. It is written. It is written. It is written three times. In Luke 4, Matthew 4. I want you to get that very clear in your mind, the devil. Now, it's rather remarkable, if I might do this, to use a little bit of history to explain some of this. The illustration of these three, you'll find it, by the way, in, in the book of Joshua. You know, the book of Joshua is a wonderful book. They come into the land. And you remember that in chapter 1, the Lord says, The whole land is yours. Go and occupy your possessions. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm calling Ephesians 1, 3, by the way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But by the much I've never had them. It's yours by occupation. Joshua, the whole land is before you. This is all your possession. Now go in and possess your possession. And he's affected by three great enemies. At Jericho, you see the world. At Ai, you see the weakness of the flesh. And with the Gibeonites, you see the wilds of the devil. Isn't that amazing? They crossed the river Jordan, and they went around the city of Jericho, great big city, walled Jericho. Go around at once and go back and sit in your tents. This is the order of God. Obedience brought victory. Here's a nation walking around, walking around the city. Second day, they walked around it again once, went back down. And the priest went ahead with them. The third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, same thing. And by this time, everybody's on the walls of Jericho. Look at those crazy people. Huh. They're coming to take the city and all those go take a walk around, take a morning walk around the city and go back to the tents. But on the seventh day, God says, you go around seven times. Not the end of the seventh time. Blow your trumpets, shout. And the walls what? The walls fell flat. You know, before I was saved, I was working in the machine shops. And one of the fellows in the shop said, you know, there's a man speaking here today. Do you want to go and hear him? I said, what are you talking about? Oh, he's a preacher. I want to go and hear him. Come on with me. So I went with him. What in the world is a preacher going to talk to fellows in the shops, huh? Machine shops. It was about, oh, in the shop, there must have been four or five hundred men working there. The big shop. I guess there might have been 15 fellows sitting there listening to him. And he talked about this question of Jericho, the walls falling down. He said, now, don't, don't for a moment believe that there's a miracle here. They just obeyed God. God knew what would happen. So when they went around once for six days, they were slowly undermining the foundation of the walls. Now, when they went around the seventh day, they went around seven times, and they blew the trumpets, and the walls fell. They'd already had destroyed the foundations. Don't think about it being a miracle. When I came to know the Savior, I remember that statement of that preacher but my Bible says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, not that tramping round the walls. 
men trying to do away with the supernatural. But at Jericho we see the world. Now up the, up the hill from Jericho is a little place called Ai near Bethel. Ai, just two little letters, Ai. And they said to Joshua, we don't need to go on up there with a big crowd. Just send a few fellows up there and let's liquidate that thing. They went up there and boy, they got beaten. They didn't ask the Lord. At Ai, we see the weakness of the flesh. They tried to get victory their own way and they failed. And so will you and me. Obedience brings victory. And then when they got victory there, they cleaned Ai out and they moved on toward, up to Bethel, up toward Hebron and so on, up to those places. The Gibeonites came along. Do you remember the story? These fellows came along to Joshua and their clothes were all worn out. Their sandals were all worn out. Their, their bread was moldy. There was dust all over them. And we've come a long, long, long way. We've heard about your God. We want to make a little covenant with you. You know, that, that idea. Look at me. Look at what we come of. And instead of Joshua asking the Lord about it, he made a league with them and found they were just next door neighbors. They did wild to the devil. So I say again, a Jericho, you see what? At Jericho, you see the world. At Ai, you see the, the flesh and the Gibeonites, you see the wilds of the devil. Now, I mean, let me finish that. When they go further, and you remember, if we go back to the book of Numbers, at about chapters 14 in there somewhere, 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, you remember the, the spies went into the land and they came back to Moses and said, boy, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there are giants there. And we were in their sight as grasshoppers. How did they know that, I wonder? And Joshua, you remember, Joshua and Caleb got up and said, Oh, they're just bread for us. Let's go down there and clean them out. Hmm? Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, the end of chapter 13, the beginning of 14 of Numbers. In chapter 13, they said... Uh, when they came before Moses, they said, in fact, Caleb said, let's go up and uh, overcome them. Well, we can't do that. We can't do that. They're stronger than we are. And the last verse says, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Now in chapter 14, you have Joshua and Caleb standing up and say, and the land which we went through was an exceeding good land. The Lord delight in us. He will bring us into this land and give us, give it to us. A land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and so on. And verse 10 says, all the congregation bade them to stone Joshua and Caleb. Just think of it. We're not going to go in there. That's when Moses had to intercede for them. Now, when they got into the land, Caleb, Caleb said to Joshua, give me this mountain where the giants are. Now, the giants were Sheshai, Ahiman, Talmai. Get those three? 
Sheshai, Ahiman, Talmai. Giants. You all fit the giants? Give me the place where the giants are, says Caleb. He says, I'm 80 years of age. What are they to me? I'll go in and clean them out. That's a remarkable thing. If you take these three names of giants, Sheshai, Ahiman, Talmai, and you take them literally in our own language would be this. Sheshai, who I am. What's the first one? Yes, yeah, Sheshai. Second one's Ahiman, what I can do. Who I am, Sheshai. What I am, Ahiman. Talmai, what I can do. That word Talmai, by the way, means uh, uh, making furrows, farming, farming his land, making furrows. What I can do. Sheshai, who I am. Ahiman, what I am. Talmai, what I can do. I may not have much trouble with the outside world, but boy, in here I've got three giants occupied with who I am, what I am, and what I can do. And Caleb said, give me these giants, I'll fix them up. And he did. He conquered Hebron. By the way, that was the place where Abraham lived, you remember. He lived in Mamre and Hebron, living on the fatness of communion with God. And that word Hebron means communion, fellowship. What keeps you out of fellowship with God? What keeps me out of fellowship with God most of the time is what? Occupy with who I am and what I am and what I can do. See, get the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now these are the, the opposition to the believers walk with God. As I said, oftentimes, the spirit for life is a life of intimate fellowship with God. Sin breaks that fellowship. The Lord has made provision for us. But let's kill our giants. Who I am. What I am. What I can do. Paul puts it this way in Galatians. Chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Who I am, what I am, what I can do. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. You see, the 19th verse is a question raised. Verse 20 is the answer to the question. The question in verse 19 of Galatians 2 is, I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. But when did you die to the law, Paul? I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The law can't go beyond death. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. But if righteousness come by works, then Christ died in vain. I wonder, young people, fellows, girls, what place does Jesus Christ have in your life? Am I going to live for him or am I going to live for self? And Satan is very, very subtle. He's had thousands of years of deceiving people. And you, and you can't beat him. There's only one who to take what God has declared. Our Savior is the one who can give you that marvelous deliverance from the power of sin. So that your lives will be a testimony to him of his wonderful love, his compassion, his tenderness, his grace.
Now, I want to tell you, after 1,900 years of gospel preaching, there are millions, teeming millions, have never heard the gospel yet. Why? Because too many of God's people are occupied with who they are and what they are and what they can do instead of Christ. And I want your life to be filled with his joy, his peace, his grace, his love. All right, we'll follow through that in the next lesson. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.